Hey, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Wild Connection, the podcast. It's Sunday, October 17th, and this week's episode is all about stories and the power of narratives to shape our perspectives and connect us to one another. When it comes to Earth, there are billions of stories waiting to be told. The Earth has a story, too. And right now, we are at a moment in time where we, human beings, are deciding the fate of her story. Will this planet remain subjected to the whims and fancies of people, governments, and corporations? What will we decide is the next twist in the plot? Destruction or redemption? The Queen of England was recorded on a hot mic uttering the words many of us who care about this planet, the lives of others, including other species, feel. She said, it's really irritating when they talk and don't do. I would suggest it's a bit more than irritating. Also this week, Prince William admonished the uber billionaires selling tickets to the edge of space for throwing their money up in the air instead of putting it to use on the ground. In response, William Shatner, who was a tourist on one of these flights just this past week, suggested that by seeing Earth from the emptiness of space, people would experience love for this planet and be inspired. As much as I was a fan growing up of Mr. Shatner's role as Captain Kirk, I see two problems with his narrative. The first is that we need a lot more people willing to do something rather than the handful of wealthy people taking a 10-minute ride to the edge of space. No offense, Mr. Shatner. The second problem involves a question I would pose directly to Mr. Shatner. With so much exquisite, beautiful life right here, was there something missing for you that you weren't already in awe and felt an instinct to do everything in your power to protect this planet? And do you now? And if so, what does that mean? What action, specific action, will you take now that you have this new and different perspective? I'm genuinely curious, and while I don't expect you're listening to this podcast, I would really love to talk to you about it and find out how you're going to become an agent of change and part of the solution. And I'm really serious. Have your people call me. Here's the thing. Prince William is putting his money where his mouth is. With the Earthshot Prize, five winners that will be announced later today, he is focused on solutions. And he's calling on everyone to raise their ambition. Politicians, corporations, and apathetic people are holding hostage efforts to do something about the climate crisis that is here now and propose serious solutions. People with resources to create innovative solutions are spending billions on nothing more than an expensive roller coaster ride, as if space was our playground too. Meanwhile, across the globe, a young, recent university graduate is doing something and elevating his ambition to help all of us. That's my guest this week, and he's going to tell you there are change makers out there creating solutions for their communities and for the world, and he is telling their stories. Welcome to Wild Connection, the podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Jennifer Vertolin but you can call me Dr. Jen. I'm a scientist and author that studies animal behavior. I'm passionate about animals, and I love helping people reconnect with nature to live better lives. This podcast is about you, other animals, and how we are connected in this wild and crazy thing called life. You can get the show notes and more on my website, jenniferverdalen.com, or on the podcast website, Wild Connection, the podcast, hosted by Podbean. If you like the show, please subscribe to it so you never miss an episode. Stories connect us and they broaden our perspective. We can become inspired, motivated, and even despondent because stories evoke emotions. To talk about storytelling and why it matters, I connected with journalist Rono Chonguinho. Rono knows that stories matter. And he is telling the stories of the people from his community and beyond. In doing so, he's building a sense of community and shared purpose. To further his impact, he started YouthBase, a platform 
that shares the stories of young people committed to being agents of change and creating solutions, something the politicians, world leaders, and uber-rich should be focused on. So let's get to it. Coming to us from Kitingela, just outside of Nairobi, Kenya, here he is, journalist Rono Chonginyo. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. I want to, I, I'm really excited to have everyone meet you and hear about you. I mean, we met through social media. Oh, yes. Facebook, actually. That's right. And so I know that there's a lot of perils with social media, but there's also wonderful opportunities to connect people because that connected me with you. And you are a vibrant journalist who and storyteller who is based in Nairobi, Kenya. And so I am just thrilled to have you before we sort of dive into some of the stories that you are telling and why you tell those stories. I like to ask all of my guests, you know, how did you, how did you get interested and how did you arrive at this place in your life where you are telling the stories of people, their lives, their experiences, their hopes, what drew you to this? All right. Um, thank you, first of all, Dr. Jen, for having me on your podcast. I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled to be here today. And um, this goes back in time in my formative years, you know, when I was still groping for ideological clarity and that balance, you know, as a you know, primary school, as I scaled up. And I, I realized that I was I had an innate passion in me to tell stories because every time I was in a class break or just even in class, really, you know, I'd get people surround me and, I'd, I'd, and I'd, I was completely enamored by enamored by geography. I was fascinated by places, by people. And, you know, people most times would surround me, other, the other people would surround me because I'd be up there telling them about the market, about the about a cobbler who does some repairs somewhere, about a mason, about about a, a poultry farmer. I mean, I was just enamored by the, by the people and, and what, what they did with their lives. And I think from that, from that point in time, it dawned on me that I actually would pursue this as a, you know, as a lifelong career. Let me call it that, because I never imagined myself doing anything else. So then when I transitioned to high school and um, I, I excelled very well, then, uh, you know, by that time I was clear in my mind that I wanted to be a journalist because, I mean, let me tell you, growing up, I, you know, I, you know, used to watch people like David Freddy Cattenborough uh, of the BBC Earth. I mean, I, I, I just loved the reporters and, you know, and, and presenters doing their magic on television and, you know, and reporting live from places, you know, Nepal, Kathmandu, from Warsaw, Poland, uh, from, you know, Nairobi, Kenya, and uh, Pretoria, South Africa, Mangina, Congo. I mean, I just loved the feeling of that. And, um, that is why when I when I actually transitioned out from from high school to uh, to, to university, I actually ensured that I pursued uh, a degree in journalism because that was where my old passion was, and I and 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 I truly put in the work and the effort to be the best version of I could be. I mean, in, in, as a journalist, really. The, you know what's really beautiful about what you're saying is so many things, but a few uh, episodes ago, I had um, Dr. John Pinvet on and he said that the, the greatest advice he received, and it's something you're living, it feels like it when I listen to you, when I watch your your stories that you report on, is, is you should live your joy. And, that is quite profound. Right? And, and I feel like, how did you, did, did anybody inspire you and, and help you or, or motivate you to live your joy? Or is that just something you've always had inside of you? All right, I'll say, uh, first, I've always had it inside of me because as I told you, I realized from back in time, you know, when I was a little boy flying on made kites in the back in the village, that I, you know, I loved being, I love being a storyteller. I love being a journalist. Uh, I, I love places. I love traveling. I had that sense of enthusiasm and wonder and curiosity in me that never left. In fact, the, the, the real thing should be, I think everyone when they are growing up, they, are, they have that sense of wonder and curiosity in them. But for me, I'd say it never left me. It is still with me today, all right? So uh, it came naturally from me. But of course, as I grew up, there were those people who actually inspired me to, you know, to do this, um, you know, the, the journalism thing and, and be passionate about it every day and, 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 and seek more knowledge about it and, you know, make, and, and ensure that I work towards becoming best at it. So, of course, definitely that, you know, that the journalists back here at home, uh, you know, someone like Larry Modo inspired the most out of me as well. There's, there's, there's Attenborough David. I mean, uh, because every time I, I, you know, I just, you know, switch on the telly and watch maybe David, you know, doing um, a PTC, what is called pistol camera, you know, somewhere, let's say in the Galapagos Island, up in the hot air balloon and saying that, 
you know, or, or so, you know, and saying that, uh, you know, something like what I, I, I actually used to memorize some of his lines and I'd go in front of the mirror and actually I'd do my thing there. <laughs> like, That's beautiful. Like there's what. There was one about the ocean. I think he was, you know, filming something about the ocean. Uh, I'm not very sure exactly where, but then he was, I had memorized that line and I used to, you know, every day wake up and just imagine myself doing that in the fullness of time. Ocean's seemingly limitless, invoking us a sense of awe and wonder and also sometimes fear. They cover 70% of the face of our planet, but yet they still are the least explored, hidden beneath the waves, right beneath my feet, are creatures beyond our imagination. With revolutionary technology, we can enter new worlds and shine a light on behaviors in ways that were impossible just a generation ago. Wow. So that was, <laughs> I love doing that. <laughs> well, I know you do. And you know, it's, it's amazing because what this speaks to is the power of people and the stories they tell to inspire others to create their life and to live their life in the best way that they imagined. And that's in many ways, right? What, what you're doing now. So you are living that. And as you, you don't need it to be anyone else because you are the full embodiment of yourself living this. And so I'm, I'm curious, you know, have stories always been, I mean, in terms of humans, right? Uh, stories are just so important to our, our history and our cultures and, uh, whether they were originally oral stories, then written stories and now digital stories. And yeah. I'm, I'm wondering from your perspective, why do you think stories are so important? I mean, according to myself and, and the kind of experience that I've picked, you know, traveling and meeting people and talking to them and doing interviews amazing in their tens and hundreds is the fact that, you know, you know, storytelling in a way, it speaks to the heart of our abiding dreams and hopes and visions. I mean, the things that are central to our lives. And I mean, some of these things are really universal because, you know, what anyone would aspire to do with their lives deep in a village, let's say in Kenya, I mean, it's the same aspiration anyone would have from, let's say Morocco or Zambia or, or Luxembourg or somewhere, you know, in, 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 in Australia or somewhere. So, so I think story, storytelling in itself, it's, it, you know, it helps to shape our perspectives in, you know, in terms of a, a lot of themes that surround us every day, you know, whether you're talking about, you know, conservation, climate change, entrepreneurship, politics, you know, there's governance, there's all those themes put together. It, it is in a way intricately bound to, you know, the ideologies of people, their, how they view life, how they view those, um, those themes, which in a way, you know, it sort of gives them context because, I mean, every time you engage with someone, let's say a leader, then you engage with a, with a, with a citizen, there's just always a line in between, you know, these being given the mandate, then there's the citizen is saying they need to be done before. Well, every time, let's say I go out there and you know, and get to speak to especially young people that I engage a lot with, I get to um, listen to you know to the raw ambition of what they're talking about, about what they want to do with their lives, you know, in their careers. I mean, because that is now when they're still they're becoming, you know, if they're out of college in their early twenties, so they are becoming. They're they're sort of evolving and getting balanced. So I think stories give that shape. It gives it form, it gives it context. And, uh, you know, by a broader perspective, really, it, I think it makes us understand, understand the world more and be conscious about our environment, the people, and generally, you know, across even the world. Well, and, and I think in one of your videos, you said something that really resonated with me, which was that stories connect us, right? They connect us to each other. They connect us to the natural world. They connect us um, in so many different ways. And I, you brought up that many of the stories that you're telling are of youths that are similar. And I mean, you know, listen, folks, this young man is really recent college graduate, right? And you are doing big things. And, and so, and you're highlighting other big things that, that young people are doing in your own country. So, Tell me about youth base. This is something you started. What is it and and why is it so important? Well, so um, the platform youth base, which I founded uh, when I was actually in my second year in university, <laughs> because at that time I was still trying to get a grasp of what journalism is all about. You know, when you're in your first year, 
you, you know, you're sort of still very new into the course. You're trying to understand, you know, you're still a freshman. But then when I was in my sophomore years, I was like, yo, I got to do something, right? I got to be ambitious. I got to be proactive because my, my best quote that I read back in time is, is this. The world understands one language and that language is action. So I told myself, I'm not going to sit down and just, you know, wait for magic to happen. I need to create my own magic. So that is now, you know, you know, social media was, you know, it was, it was busting out. The digital revolution was happening. Facebook was here, Twitter, Instagram, you know, all these platforms. And then all these things are given to us for free. I mean, you just <laughs> sign up an account and boom, you have a free, a free platform to, you know, generate content and, and share your talent and passion to the world. And one thing I allowed myself to be is to be very vulnerable because, you know, it takes as well courage to be vulnerable. By the time you get a camera and record something, <laughs> I mean, and share it to strangers really online, it takes courage and it takes you to be vulnerable or rather allowing yourself to be vulnerable for people to react to that content, you know, give you feedback, give you comments. Okay, well, okay, I'm not very proud of my, of my videos back then because I was still learning. I mean, I sometimes look at them and I, I feel sometimes embarrassed because like, yo, what the hell was that? All right. But then give me, give me some courage and consistency and, and, and a better chance to hone my skills, you know, in production from camera work uh, to editing to voiceovers and all that kind of thing. But back to you, um, I should have actually begun with this, is when I was in college at that time, I used to, you know, see and meet and interact with young people, you know, who spoke nothing but the language of enthusiasm. And I saw them listening to that voice of striving. They were talking about, you know, changing their communities, being, being that agent of change. They were talking about being proactive in, their, in, their, in whatever thing they were doing. If someone was, you know, was pursuing a course, you know, let's say in, in psychology, you know, they were running awareness campaigns in university to talk about, you know, mental health issues. So I saw these and said and told myself, why don't I create this platform on Facebook and on YouTube just to um, give an avenue for these young change makers? I call them the young people who do not belong to the do nothing brigade. They're not just like sitting down. They're being part of the solution. So I told myself, let me begin this, this platform because it is free after all. I just need some bundles and I'm up there. So, you know, I, you know, I, I began reaching out like anyone reaches out, you know, like, yo, um, my name is Rono. I'm running this platform. I want to, I want to interview you and tell your story. So I, I just began that way because I was seeing it as a platform for me to tell stories of young change makers back then and as well hone my skills in production and journalism and everything and storytelling really, because I knew that this was going to be my life goal. It is a word I love in Japanese called Ikigai. You've heard of it. It's called ikigai. So ikigai means it is it is your reason for being, your reason for being. Why are you even why are you even existing in the world? So I, I figured out that there's a there's a conference in me about uh, you know about passion and my career, and that is why I decided let me begin youth base so as it can be a platform for me to share intriguing, compelling stories of young change makers who are creating ripples of impact in their communities and even outside. Yeah, well, you know, it's so interesting. A lot of what you are talking about, I feel like you're also talking about me. And this is, I think, what what drew me to you and wanting to have you on the podcast is, first of all, the statement that you are that you are highlighting people who are not part of the do nothing brigade brigade. Brilliant, because I think there's a lot of people that say, oh, yeah, wow, this is this is all very terrible. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and then they just go about their ordinary daily lives, thinking about just the immediate wants, needs and desires that they have in that moment. And yeah. they are not connected to this ikigai, this purpose, this reason for being or they haven't cultivated one or they don't develop one or they're not moved to or inspired to uh, adopt one. And we are at a place now all of humanity is, you know, I'm attending the United Nations Climate Change Conference in Scotland uh, next month in just a few weeks. And the reports are are dire and we need people who are willing to step up and do something and change. And even though I got that courage to be vulnerable a lot later in my life, you know, I I I had this purpose uh, long ago. And for me, it was telling the stories of animals. 
And what's happening now is I'm realizing you can't tell the stories of other animals without including people. We are animals. I learned that from you. Yeah, we are animals, really. We are. And, and we, we live on this planet together. For sure. And so the things that we do to uplift other animals uplift us. The things that we do to uplift us uplift other animals. And I want to talk about, I was really inspired by two of the change maker stories you had. One was, of course, you know, thinking about this climate change issue was oh, yeah. um, Patricia Combo. Is that? Yes, Patricia Combo. Correct. Yeah. And she started the, the Patri Initiative. Is that right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Tell us about that and how it was. Oh, you know, what impact her story had on you? All right. So um, Patricia Combo is, uh, is an incredible, is an incredible, charming, you know, you know, switched on change maker. That is why I brought her on on the show. And uh, as is rightly put, you know, she, she began this initiative called Patrie Initiative, which is championing and creating awareness around conservation. And um, it really, you know, through things like, you know, awareness campaigns and even the most um, the, the recently that I actually attended even one was uh, planting of trees. And, and, and the beauty with her story is the fact that, you know, she's beginning it right from the bottom. Like um, she's, she's already, you know, like cleared school, but then she's sending the elevator back down. She's going back to primary young, you know, primary school and you know and, and empowering you know the, the young people there you know teaching them about the the beauty of conservation and how they themselves can actually be cheerleaders of conservation itself so so i mean in itself what that did to me is the fact that you know there's just a sense there's just a sense of beauty in seeing something and doing something about it and actually it makes it more magical because you're seeing something then you're actually doing something about it because let me tell you we, 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 I mean, as you, like, you know, we, we are not outside. We are, we are part of nature itself. We are, we are, we are part of the nature. And, 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 and one, once I, I saw what Patricia was doing, Patricia Combo, through Patricia Initiative, because, you know, she's traversing the country, she's visiting schools, you know, you know, taking them through conservation lessons, how we can be able to grow a lot of trees and, you know, and balance the, 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 the carbon levels in there. I mean, you know, issues through with climate change, you know, which, you know, as you said, they are dire, that's why you're attending the conference. I mean, it is just a whole, is a whole, is a whole inspiring conversation to have because it then shows the power that even young people, you know, can actually put in and inject in such, a, you know, a, a wide, you know, a wide uh, phenomena like climate change. And as I always love to say, it is always important to think that, you know, it is through those little bits of good that we do that around the world. You cannot change the whole of the continent and change the whole of the world. But I mean, if I'm going to do something tiny in my village, just and empower, you know, a few young people to just know in their mind that, you know, we have to do something about climate change, guys. Let us grow some tree. Let us water it. Let us see it grow. Let us see it blossom. Because at the end of the day, and necessarily we're not doing it actually for even this generation. We're doing it for our children, for our children's children, because like you plant a tree, you're not going to enjoy the shade. It's actually the next generation is going to come and enjoy the beauty of that shade. So that was actually really, really inspiring to see, to listen, and, you know, and soak in the, you know, and the inspiration from my Patricia's story. Yeah. So everyone, I am talking to journalist uh, Rono Choguignon and um, and and he's coming to us live from uh, what is the name of the village that you're in right now? It's called town Kitengela. Kitengela. OK, town Kitengela. Just outside Nairobi, just outside Nairobi. And, you know, so speaking of planting trees and climate change and nature, I think people when they think of uh, Kenya, and I'm going yes. to say Africa because, you know, we know that there are many countries in Africa, oh, yeah. but we were talking about this when we were uh, first kind of communicating with each other that there seems to be this uh, tendency for people in other countries, <clears throat> United States, uh, to think of Africa as this collective. It's just Africa, but it's not. It's, yes. it's many countries in Africa, many um, towns and cities and villages and parishes and cultures and languages. And But I think there's this idea from some of those, you know, BBC Earth films that that Kenya is just this one big, you know, safari. And um, and that you just are constantly surrounding, you know, like there's a lion right outside your house, you know, you step outside and there's lions and zebras and, you know, they're just everywhere. And that's not the reality. Right. And 
And so you recently went to the Masai Mara. Oh yeah, it was breathtaking experience. So how how often have you been? Like, is it is it somewhere you have to go to go see nature? Um, if you're living in Nairobi, uh, you have to go somewhere. Yes. Oh, oh yeah, oh yeah. That, that, okay, it's actually good that you actually brought this because I actually spoke it. You know, when you're preparing for this uh, for this podcast, and then the, the, let, let me let me let me bring it back from now the narrative the narrative bit of it because for a very very long 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 time. The, the narrative of the African continent, uh, you know, with, it, with its beautiful 54 countries, you know, has been told, you know, by, you know, other, other media, some from the West, from Europe and America, all those. But then, uh, you know, it, it, it gets, and let me tell you, sometimes it is very easy to underestimate the power of narratives. Because, I mean, I was speaking to a friend of mine from Toronto, a friend of mine from Toronto called Donovan. He's an old mason, you know, 60-year-old man, very hardworking uh, from Toronto, from, oh, from Ottawa, sorry, from Ottawa, from Ottawa in Canada. Then I was speaking to him on phone some other time, you know, I think that was last year. And he was, I was telling him, okay, I'm, I'm, right now I'm walking, I'm walking towards my home. Yeah, and he told me like, yo, be careful. I mean, are, you, are, you, are you not going to be mauled by cheaters? <laughs> I was like, yo, which cheetah are you talking about? Which cheetah? Which cheetah are you talking about? Like, there are no lions around this place. I mean, the lions are in zoos, they're in game parks, and they're in game reserves, and they're in conservancies. Those, those, I mean, that is where wild animals are. The rest of the places are homes. People live there. There are farms. People have enormous farms of coffee, tea, any cash crop you can imagine. Then there are, you know, towns. and I mean, life is just going on normally. So I was, I was, I was, I was picked in my mind, like, okay, if, if someone would think about this, uh, that that is the picture they have of the continent, it is actually, it is, it is bad, sad, and mad. But here's the thing: the beauty is, it is always uh, the, the good now. The, the, the beauty that is coming now with, um, with, uh, you know, with with other own young storytellers like myself, we want to, we want to be in charge of the narrative of the continent, all right? And and the beauty with social media today, and you know, and uh, you know, and the and the enormous opportunity of, of 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 digital, you know, revolutions from you know YouTube, Facebook, and all that, it has given us a, a sort of a wider platform. And the beauty and the world right now is sort of more connected. It's very more connected, and that is why somebody sitting down in in the US of A like yourself, and just you know, Google something about Masai Mara, you know, and just look at it firsthand. You can Google about Nairobi and you know, and, and, and Mombasa, and just look about their drone shows. They're actually they can show you the beauty. Of, you know, of, the, of the real ground. But then, so as I said, there are no wild animals roaming around. If I'm going to walk out there, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to be attacked by a rhino or a, or a, or a, or a what is it called, or a, or a cheetah or a leopard or, or something else. Right. I am not going to be attacked because out there is actually people live. There are very beautiful places where people live. There are very amazing gardens. So when I, when I went to the Masai Mara, it was a thrilling experience. I went there with a friend of mine called Franco. He was from Italy. He's a fellow, he's a fellow filmmaker who came in the country. Then he was like, "Yo, Rono, let us do some, you know, some magic with the camera." So uh, going to Masemara from Nairobi is like, um, is like what, like four, like four, four, five hour drive, four, five hour drive from Nairobi. So you get a van, you drive down to to a town called Narok. Which is that is in the same district with the Masai Mara. Then you know there's a, a little town as well called Sekenani. Then that now you can now access the gate the, the gate to the you know to the the beautiful Masai Mara reserve. So that, I mean that's what we did. You know we went in there. It was actually very early in the morning. The sun was not out yet. You actually witnessed the magical sunrise when you're in the heart of the Masai Mara. There was actually a very beautiful cheetah that was walking down some acacia tree, and it was pure magic. I think everybody should come to the Masai Mara. Everybody should come to Kenya because it's actually amazing. So we had, we had an entire day to be in safari, game safari from morning till sunset. And it was really thrilling. I mean, you come, uh, I said it on one of my posts, you actually come, uh, you know, almost, almost within touching distance, some of the incredible, majestic animals that walk the first of our planet, which, you know, that is from zebra. I actually came close to a lion, which actually it came close to our, of our jeep that we actually used in the safari, it actually came just and passed by. In fact, the tail was actually like wafting her in, inside the car, and it was like, "Yo!" It was a bit scary, but we saw the yeah, yeah, the huge elephants. So I mean, the continent itself is very, very, very beautiful. It is insanely beautiful. But this is not to say 
that we don't have shortcomings. We have shortcomings like any other corner of the world, like just the, you know, the US of A, like anywhere in Asia or Europe or Australia or Antarctica. I mean, we have our challenges really, but then it is time we give pride of place to the beauty of the continent. Because let me tell you, we should not just, you know, sort of blow anything out of proportion because, you know, something, some, some terrible things happen in other corners of the world, but then they, they don't, you know, it is not everywhere awash in the media, but then, you know, when a tiny thing sort of happens in a continent of Africa, like, you know, some little thing, but then it is just like made to be a global attention and the world poses for a moment robotically. No, 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 We have to be charged of, you know, showing the beauty of the continent. You know, there are incredible young people here. They're exploring the power and the beauty of their imagination. They're, they're creating solutions for their communities. They're, in, you know, they're investing in FinTech. You know, they're, they're creating programs. They're creating softwares for farmers to be able to monitor their productions. Those are homegrown solutions right here. Those are people, I know them by their name. I know them where they live. There are people I've interacted with them. So that is what I want to focus on telling. But at the same time as well, I love what is called, um, you know, solution-focused journalism. As we talk about the things that affect the continent, we also talk about the solutions that we can do to alleviate those challenges. Absolutely. And I, I want to pick up on, thank you for sharing all of that. And I want to pick up on a few threads. The first thing, though, I want to make sure everyone knows um, that the show notes will have links to your YouTube channel, your Facebook, um, the youth base. So, so folks will be able to watch these videos and some of the stories that we're talking about uh, for themselves and, and support what you're doing. The other thing is that 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 stood out to me that I kind of want to focus on for a few minutes is the being in charge of the narrative. I, I really uh, love that what you're saying is these platforms have given people like you the opportunity to be in charge of the narrative of your own people, your own culture, your own co country. And I think that another thing that we talked about is, you know, people only imagine there's wildlife and then there's all these problems on the continent of Africa. That's it. And, you know, what you're doing is bringing this richness of there's there's people it was like we don't we shouldn't go to Kenya. It's wonderful. Let me tell you, if I go to Kenya, I will go to the Masai Mara. I will hopefully. I will go to yes. Amboseli, right? I will go, you know, but I also think there's so much richness in the people, the culture, the language, the music, the art, right? And the, the innovation that you are highlighting. And I think that it's time for people to uh, rehabilitate their idea of what it, what African continent means and what it is. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I really yeah. do. And, and one thing that inspired, you know, that I think was really cool, this project that you highlighted, Tech Lit Africa, Nelly, yeah. Nelly Chaboy. Good one. Yeah. Nelly Chaboy. Wonderful. And, and the reason, you know, for so many reasons, you know, providing this resource, uh, well, I'm going to let you tell us a little bit about Nelly and what she's done and what she's doing. Oh yeah. So uh, Nelly is an incredible young lady from a place called Baringo district in, uh, you know, in Mo a, a village called Mogotio in Baringo district that is sort of in, in it is in the Rift Rifty Valley, part of Kenya. And, uh, you know, Nelly grew up there in the village. She grew up without computers. She grew up without internet. And then, but she was a very bright, you know, intelligent young lady. She went to the best of schools. Then actually she got a scholarship to study at the Agustina College in the US of A. And, um, you know, when she got that opportunity, she actually, you know, sort of imagined how she grew up as a young child, as a young girl, how she lacked computer, and digital literacy for her to compete globally, you know, like other kids in Japan or Korea or South Africa or, or Brazil or somewhere else or Canada. So that it actually, you know, sort of got to his, got to our mind that well, I need to begin a, an organization that is gonna enhance and give life to tech and digital literacy to young children back in my village. I mean, she has a vision. It is actually a grand vision. She wants to extend to, you know, the continent, you know, across the, across the continent, but she, it is, it is actually, she's beginning it from her home in where she grew up in. And so it is basically pegged on the ideology of impacting those skills, you know, on digital skills, the tech skills, coding, you know, for kids to understand computers, how they can develop programs themselves. Because in a way, in a way, 
when someone is growing up, you know, someone is growing up, I mean, I think a, a very big part of them, they're, they're visual learners. They, 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 you know, they, they, they sort of, it gets to them when they see things. All right. So, I mean, every time they interact with that, you know, Nelly was telling me, you know, you know, kids get to have their imaginative and creative juices, you know, switched on because, you know, they, you know, they're designing stuff there. They are, they are painting, they, you know, they're working with some softwares in there, which have been developed by partners, you know, like from like has who are, you know, running some of the programs there. So she's trying to really even give, give, uh, she's trying to complement rather the Kenyan curriculum, you know, that is, okay, let me say, it, it is actually based on memory where you just cram notes. Okay, then during exams, it is like you vomit those notes during exams. There is no tangible, tangible skill set that you get. But for Nelly, she wants to change that by complementing it through um, a nonprofit organization, TechLit Africa, you know, with an incredible partner, Tyler, so as to, you know, you know, inject some of these programs to these young children. So by the time they're growing up, you know, they, they, you know they're competing globally, really. The idea is to ensure that when other kids are growing up in Japan or Australia or Canada, you know, it's a small world today, so they can compete with those other kids and they're not left behind. Yeah, it was very inspiring. And so I'm also going to include um, in the show notes a link to TechLit Africa so that if people want to uh, do something, the, the thing that I really appreciate about what you're doing that I think should be really inspiring for people all over the world is that you are showing people who are doing something that you can do something right where you are. Right. Oh, oh yeah, for sure. Right. And And that. Yes, we have, we are overwhelmed with these big problems. So, yeah. so right. And that can create like an inertia, a, a, a sort of a lack of action. Mm-hmm. And, and so what you're showcasing is, you know, okay, yeah, we have these big problems. And yet there's this farmer doing this thing. There's mm-hmm. this graduate who came back to her town inspired to do something about yeah. what's happening. Her vision is bigger, but you start where you are. And I think that, um, you know, I see so much of, of people saying, well, I just don't know what to do. I don't know how to solve this problem. So, I mean, it's just, there's nothing I do will matter. And, and I feel like that's a lie. Here's the thing. Uh, my, my, my bigger vision for, for youth base is actually to, you know, to create, let me say, you know, an energized community and you know, and inspire action because, as you, as you rightly put it, you know, there, there's a lot of you know what I call it apathy, you know, and just people are you know they're just like sitting down, you know, and just you know waiting for for the biblical manner to come from I don't know somewhere else. They're not being part of the solution. They're not you know doing anything really. And let me tell you for a fact, for, for a fact, you know, Dr. Jen, most people in this life have realized, you know, they're sort of you know I don't know why they choose to do that, but they they're sort of like tiptoeing through life, you know, like literally tiptoeing through life. Yeah, you, you never let your imagination roam out there. You never do magic and, you know, and just, you know, and dream big and, you know, and try to, you know, take chances and, you know, explore the other side of fear because that is where the real potential lies in. And I, 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 so I, I told myself because we have a lot of prominence, you know, on the digital media that is, you know, Facebook and YouTube, a lot of you know, people are not very much drawn to what I call, you know, what is it called? Cable television, because, you know, Today, you know, you have your you have your mobile phone. You know, when I'm in 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 the in the bus, when I'm in the train, when I'm doing my little evening walks, I just can go in there, you know, listen to this podcast. I can be inspired by that. I can, you know, actually click of a button. With a click of a button, you can listen to anything, literally any empowering content. So let me say, when people, when young people are going to be listening to that, I told myself, youth base is going to be part of, you know, just the content that is people are going to find online there, and they can sort of, you know, draw a bit of inspiration from that. Yeah. Well, and, and it's, it works. It works for everybody. It works for me. And, you know, to, to, yeah. um, because it, it makes me feel, what am I doing? You know, okay. Yeah. How, how yeah. can I do more? Yeah. You know what? And, and it took me a long time. And ironically, it was a student who, it was a young person. You know, I mean, I'm not that old, but I'm not that young. So, um, I was teaching a class and, and there was a student I was talking about, I want to host a TV show. I want to like you with the uh, David Attenborough, you know, and I, I auditioned three times and for, you know, they all, Oh, you're so great. You're so great. And nothing really happened. And I was sort of frustrated, you know, like, well, I I keep trying and it's just not working. And he said, why are you waiting for someone else to tell you what you can do? 
right? Found. Wow. Yeah. For sure. And I looked at him and I was like, huh. And he said, just do it yourself. And I was uh-huh. like, you're right. Wow. Okay. Do it yourself. Right. Why wait for someone else to come up with a solution to a problem? Do it yourself. And I remember, and I include this in one of my classes because, you know, here in the United States, there is a very lazy and eh, it's just lazy and cruel method of, you know, uh, controlling predators when you are cattle ranching. And they they poison and they they do all these things and it affects all kinds of other species. And, um, you know, we fought hard to bring back the wolf and now they're already shooting them. So I don't understand how we spend decades and millions of dollars to bring back um, the wolf only to turn around and start shooting it again. This makes absolutely no sense. And you went to the Maasai Mara and there is a very famous young man who was Maasai who came up with lion lights. Mm -hmm. And so the problem there is lions can kill the cattle. And this is, this is very problematic. So he invented lion lights, which he was maybe 12 or 13 at the time, um, because he loved lions, but he also loved cattle. Cattle are very important to the Maasai, right? Oh, for sure. (laughs) And so he developed lion lights. They were solar powered strobe lights that went off, uh, were motion censored and lions really don't like them. And then, you know, he's a bit older now. I think he might be 24 or something. And mm-hmm. and uh, he started an organization to provide these lights to other communities that are facing the same challenge. It's non-lethal. It's cheap. It costs about $100. And it's creative. And it's yeah. finding a solution that allows the potential for everyone to coexist. Oh, beautiful. And so, you know, I use this as an example in in one of my classes on conservation of natural resources that there are creative solutions that are inexpensive and can be utilized to solve major problems. It's just, right. And so, so this is what I love about the work that you do and how you're inspiring action And I was curious, you know, you get to go to all of these different communities and talk to all of these different people. And you went to the Maasai Mara. What what impact did did being with the Maasai have on you? All right. So uh, um, actually, let me tell you, the the reason I I became a journalist was uh, I loved traveling since I was a kid. And I I think I'm about to begin traveling the world, really. I'm going to come to Arizona. So. When I, when I when I when I went to the to the Maasai Mara, okay, I, you know I have I've had I've had friends, you know, back you know in school who are Maasai, and I've read about them in history in classes, and and I sort of bit you know sort of knew a bit of you know the, the things about their culture and their food and and their practices, but then it was a different thing to be right there, like in the heart of a Maasai village. And getting to spend a night in a Maasai Manyata, the homes that they live made of mud and cow dung that is smeared. Actually, the homes are built by women in Maasai culture. They're not built by men. They're actually built by women. So we went in there. We were actually in a Maasai Manyata. So it is uh, it is sort of like um, it is made in a, in a cylindrical way. So there's actually space in the middle where, where the sheep, the goats, and the cows sleep at night after they now come from the grazing fields. So it, 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 it was beautiful to be immersed in that and, and, and myself sort of being, um, being very conversant with, with, with travel and experience, I mean, with, 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 with adventure, I know, you know I, I cannot go to a different community and call that weird. It is not weird. That is the way of life. You, you, you cannot go to a different community and then you find them drinking, you know, blood and, you know, they're, they're making homes out of cow dung. Then, then you call it well, weird or this is insane. Now it's, it's not insane. That is their way of life. They have known that since birth and they actually enjoy every bit of that. So it was, it was, it was, a, it was a thrilling experience to be there because uh, honestly, I'm not a Maasai myself. I'm, I'm from another tribe called Kalenjin. But then going there and just looking at how these people embrace that 
it is so central to their lives, especially the animals. It is so central to their lives. I remember, I, I you know, I met an incredible young man called, uh, it's called James Tatia. You know, an incredible young man, probably in his 20, he told me that he actually he, has, he had uh, 35 sheep. He actually told me he's going to give me one when, when I return to Maasai land. And <laughs> when, when, I, when I heard him talk about the sheep, it was, I mean, he talked about sheep like I don't know what. Like it was as if Elon Musk was talking about space travel. Right. <laughs> it is, yes. It is, it, is, it is so dear to him. It is so dear to him. It is so central to his life. Like, I, I don't think anything can come close, you know, can come in between him and his, his ship. Then I, I really got to understand, you know, that is, I really got to understand how these people live. And that is the beauty of, you know, going to different places. And it's always good to go there with an open mind, with a very open mind, because you're actually getting to experience new things. Some of them you've never seen. For me, I never... I had never honestly drunk sheep blood, actually raw sheep blood for that matter. But then actually had <laughs> an experience of my lifetime with, uh, you know, drinking raw, fresh sheep blood direct from, you know, a little cup, a little jug that was, uh, you know, after the, the, the sheep was slaughtered in the neck, they actually, you know, collected some of the blood there and and, and, and elder went first because, of course, they are older than me. Then I had to follow suit being uh, this little man. <laughs> but, <laughs> but then how, how they just thrive and, you know, and just enjoy that was quite something for me because, honestly, Okay, I live in a sort of like, a, let's say, an urban setting. And, you know, I have some extreme, okay, no, okay, I've got some ambitious things I want to do in this life. I want to travel the world. That is one of my goals in life. I want to be one day be, you know, in Wellington, Auckland, then go to Pyongyang, then from there, I'm in Lithuania, somewhere I go to, you know, just, just traverse the world really and tell stories. But then these are people, I mean, with, with those things they have, I mean, they're enjoying life. Then it gave me a very different perspective that, you know, there are lots of joys in life some of them simple but then sometimes it calls for us to be keen enough for us to realize and celebrate those beautiful things because let me tell you sometimes you know you're there you're very comfortable you have a nice home you everything you have a car you have a career but then you man, you're still complaining like yo slow internet like yo what the hell is wrong with internet but then there are people that you know they're just in the you know, humble, humble maniatas, they're there, they're having their home-cooked food, you know, made from some, you know, they actually make fire, like literally make, they actually made fire. <laughs> Once the video is up, I'm going to share, I'm going to share a link to that video. They actually make literally fire from, okay, from friction, from some tree, from, for some special tree, from some special tree in the bush. So they actually put it down there, then they use one to sort of rotate it first using the hand. And actually, you know, you know, it spikes some, some whatever sparkles and, you know, they put some dry grass and boom, fire. There we go. <laughs> That's, did you, did you try it? That? Okay. I think it comes with experience because I, I didn't <laughs> want to try that. They actually couldn't even allow me to, because I, I think I, I would end up using an entire day for, before I, 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 you know, I put up a fire right. or a week maybe. <laughs> Well, and I mean, here's the, you know, there's so much richness in everything that you've just shared, which is, you know, you, we, what we think is comfortable and happy, uh, if, if it's lacking the joy and the passion behind it, you remain continually unsatisfied with this little river of misery running through the background of your life. Yeah. And it leads you to complain about slow internet or, you know, uh, traffic or, you know, well, at least you have a car and, and not everybody wants a car and not everybody needs a car. And maybe, oh, yeah. you know, being connected to, so for me, I always feel being connected to nature, the earth and other people is what, where we really find our joy and our happiness. Um, and things are useful to the extent that they facilitate that, right? So, yes, yes, yes. So I wonder, did they feel welcoming of you to, to be a part of, of their lives and share their experience with you? Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. Because, um, once I reached out to a friend of mine called Le Papa Pesi back there, you know, already made contact, told him, I mean, I'm coming with a friend of mine. You know, we want to we want to come and live with you people. 
And okay, we want to come as real travelers, as real adventurers. We want to soak in the real experience. We, we don't want to go there, then, you know, you stay in a comfy hotel room. Then you're going to be like going during the day. Then you come back at night to the hotel with your Wi-Fi and television. <laughs> no, no, no. We, no, we wanted to be there inside, you know, sleep, in, sleep where they sleep and eat the food they eat and dance how they dance and, and you know, and play the, you know, and, and, and sing the songs they sing. We actually did all of that I mentioned. And... I mean, the Maasai themselves. They, I mean, they, honestly, okay, they were, they were, <laughs> there was unwhittled warmth and just charm being around there because they're, they're very welcoming people. They're very welcoming people because I mean, actually, when we were about to leave after spending like uh, it was like four days there. Like you guys still hang around, please. Just still, still hang around. You know, just you know, let us still you know stay around, dance, take care of, of cows and sheep and all that. And, you know, then you can go, let's say, over the weekend. But they're, okay, guys, we have, a, you know, we have to go back to the city, work on a few things down there. But themselves, they, they, they incredibly were very welcoming. They were very welcoming. And, uh, you know, to, 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 to even listen from us, because it was sort of, <laughs> we most times, you know, used to converse, you know, converse. You know, I asked them, being a journalist, I was very curious about things. I'm always very curious to ask them about, you know, their language. Why do they eat this food? Why, 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 why do they build their homes this way? Why do they have, you know, cattle being central to their lives and sheep and all that? Uh, and, you know, I mean, it was just a very, a very uh, sort of like a, like a, like a very curious sort of uh, uh, dialogue, you know, getting them to ask ourselves, you know, questions. They were asking even a friend, my friend back, back from Milan, Italy, like, oh, how, how, how are things back in Milan? How do you people do? Do you have animals back there? Have we ever drunk blood? Then my friend was vegetarian. My friend was vegan. He, yes. <laughs> it, it was actually it was actually very very emotional for him when he was actually filming because we were filming together, filming the you know they were chopping off the <laughs> the sheep's head. It was quite emotional for him because you know the, the blood was oozing out like <laughs> yeah. And then you know, but then but but then as I told you as a traveler you are very open minded. It is not weird. That is just the way of their life. They they right. live that way. When we saw a, a young boy, you know, and some and my friend called the papa, they actually ate like um, raw sheep kidney. They, they, like you just pr- threw it in their mouth and they got it down the. Their, their, their stomach, like, <laughs> and they had a, a roll kidney. Like, you guys, you, then they never get sick. They never, the, the funny thing is, they never get sick, those people. Like, they, they, I mean, the right. last time I asked someone, if the last time they went to the hospital was like, what? Like, they have never gone to hospital for what? I think a decade or two. Right, right. Well, and you know, it's interesting because in many ways, I think, I mean, I understand for your friend being vegan, that it was disturbing because he's made his choice to not eat, um, eat animals for probably many reasons, including welfare. But, you know, I think that, that there's more humanity and more love and more respect for animals that the Maasai have than anybody that goes to the supermarket buying industrialized farmed meat that is raised on garbage, treated, I mean, tortured, essentially, and, yeah. uh, all the way from the time they're born to the, the, the time they end up on your plate. So, you know, while I probably would be weeping uncontrollably <laughs> <laughs> for the, for the sheep, yeah. <laughs> I, I probably would, you know, I'd probably just start crying. <laughs> I, I, it's not a judgment about Right. It's not a judgment about what they're doing. It's I would cry uncontrollably uh, if anything was killed, because that's just, you know, I feel it. Yeah. So I'm, I'm at what they call an empath. So I just sort of feel everything all the time, which is hard mm-hmm. sometimes. But it's you know, it's clearly, you know, they were welcoming because one of them wanted to give you a sheep. <laughs> that says a lot. <laughs> Give me other ship, yeah. But they're, they're very generous people, really. They're very generous people. Very generous. Wow. I mean, I, 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 I mean, I'd recommend that. In fact, if you, if you come to Kenya, I'd love for you to just, you know, go even for a day or two. You know, just go experience a bit of, you know, the Maasai culture and the and the food and the, you know, and and, and the Absolutely. people there. Yeah, they're quite, you know, big hearts. Well, I would I would go with you for sure. And, you know, I don't have any problem sleeping in a home made with cow dung because, first of all, dung makes really great like sort of cement, you know, 
Uh, oh, yes. It's, it, it's really great. And it's a great recycling of that is the material. So, um, you know, I, I and, and over time it won't smell anyway. Uh, it just, or does it? <laughs> of course, no, no, no. In fact, you, you, you say that, that that bit you just said, that line that let me pick it from there about it being like cement. And I'm like, yo, what was your spirit there? Because I actually said that same thing. It was like, yo, this is actually the same, like the cement you people use in Nairobi and whatever those towns to build homes. They were like, this is actually like cement because it actually hardens with yep. time. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. No smell, no smell, no smell yeah. really. Of course. Yeah. yeah. I mean, eventually, and you know, there's other animals that also like, you know, dung for building their homes. So it's not just, it's just not, not just humans. Other animals do the same thing. Oh yeah. Um, Wow. You know, okay. So I'm learning so much from you. And I know that you learned, I imagine you speak Swahili. Oh, yes. Yes. And you also learned a little bit of uh, Maasai. So can you say something? Um, Can you share something in your language, whichever one you choose to say Uh it in? Because I imagine Uh you speak several. It's a message of hope that you want people to take away from the stories you're telling and from what you're doing. Um, yeah. I, I say that in my local language. Or my yeah. Family? No, any language no. you want. You can, I, maybe <laughs> your local language. Oh, okay. Let me, let me go with Swahili. Okay. Uh, so, Nduguzangu, kama mnabe uskeli ujumbe, nimeweza kuzungumza na Dr. Jane Dolin kutoka Marekani. Eh, kule maema kule marekani na ambao tumeweza kuzunguzu mambo na vijana mambo na ile network empowerment na pia kuhusu eh, kuhusu utendakazi na pia ile 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 bidii vijana ambao wanaweza kuweka hapa nje na ile kitu ambayo inaitwa eh, katika tasnia yangu ya wanahabari jinsi ambavyo naweza kutumia ile 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 tajriba na hiyo tasnia yangu ya wanahabari kuweza kue, kupatia um, kielelezi kwa ile mambo ambayo yanatuhusisha na, 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 na mambo kama vile uchumi kama Eh, kama eh, biashara mambo na umesikia pale conservation eh, na pia sasa tumeweza kuzungumza mambo yote hayo na pia kuweza kuongelea kwa mbona ni ya maana sana sisi kama vijana katika Kenya na pia katika bara la Afrika kuweza kuangazia mambo kama haya kwa manake ni jambo la muhimu sana sisi kuweza kuzungumza kuweza eh, kukubadilisha eh, mawaidha ili kuangazia mambo haya na ili mradi sasa sisi tuweze kuwa eh, wala ambao wanaitwa kwa lugha ya kimombo yani wheels of change ili sisi tuweze kubadilisha eh, mahali ambapo tunapotoka na kuweza pia kuhakikisha kwamba eh, taifa letu ama tunakotoka yanazidi eh, kuenda mbele katika uchumi pia katika siasa na mambo katika biashara mambo kama hayo so nime, ni ujumbe ni kwamba ni, 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 ni huo tuzidi ku, 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 kujimarisha tuzidi kujinua tuzidi kupatia kipaumbele mambo tu mazuri ambayo ambayo tumeweza kuzungumza katika 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 podcast na daktari eh, Jane Vidalin na tuweze eh, kukutia kutia kutia iweze kutupa motisha kumradhi na pia sisi tuweze eh, kuweza kujisongesha mbele kama jamii kama vijana na kuweza kuleta ile ambayo inaitwa change katika eh, society yetu asante sana thank you is asante Asante, I was going to ask you, so I want to say Asante to you, Rono, for being on the show, for sharing what you're doing. And I want everyone to start to follow this amazing journalist, watch his stories. I'm going to have links on on the podcast show notes. Also, uh, follow Youth Base and what he's doing there and support the initiatives that he's highlighting that are these creative change-making, beautiful people, young people, making the world, doing something to make their world, their lives, their villages, the world a better place and inspiring, hopefully, all of you listening to start doing something too. Thanks for being here. You're most welcome. It was a honor and privilege to be right here at the Wild Connection podcast. I have thoroughly enjoyed every moment being here, the wisdom that we've shared, that we've conversed. I really hope we can do this a lot more in the future. Thank you so much and God bless. Absolutely. Asante. Asante sana. Asante sana. That is, thank you so much. I've always loved to read. I immerse myself in stories. 
fiction ones that bring characters from someone else's imagination to life, and nonfiction ones where I discover the story of someone else's life. As individuals, we all relate to stories because our lives are stories. Everyone's life is a story in the making. There are characters, plots, twists, turns, some seriously unexpected events, hopes, dreams, successes, and failures. I'm not sure when it happened, but I decided to tell the stories of other animals. They also have dramas, lives rich with the characters they interact with, twists, turns, some seriously unexpected events, successes, and failures. We mirror each other, and I wanted to be a witness to their lives and tell their stories before they're gone. We interfere with the lives of other species, changing their story from one of potential to one of tragedy, and we do this every single day. Many of us have experienced this ourselves, and that is why stories connect us. You have a story, and you write that story every day with every action you take, and there is always a narrative. The question is, who is authoring yours? As we heard from Rono, he's taking charge of the narrative of his country, of his culture, of the communities and people around him. You can be part of the story of what happens. If you're already a change maker, I would love to hear from you. And if you're part of the do nothing brigade, as Rono put it, letting everyone else dictate your story and the story of our future, well, maybe after listening to this podcast, you can be inspired to take more positive action. That's all for this week. Thanks for listening. And don't forget, you can find us on all the major platforms where you find your podcasts. So iTunes, Google Play, Spotify. You can also listen on Wild Connection, the podcast hosted by Podbean. And don't forget to check out the show notes at jenniferverdelin.com or on Wild Connection, the podcast hosted by Podbean. And if you're liking the show, please give us a like and share it so others can find it too.